welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column where every week your hosts will answer a letter from listeners just like you, answering the big life questions facing today's women. Make sure to stick around for our weekly recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. We're so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, filmmaker, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal. And with me today is my lovely co-host, Jessica Schroeder. I'm a writer and PhD candidate, a food blogger, tea drinker, and adjunct theology professor. And today we are very excited to welcome our second guest to the podcast, Rachel Alsbury. Rachel is a writer, blogger, mother of four, and contributor for Wild and Free, who helps other mothers in the trenches of their earliest days of homeschooling. She lives in Kansas City with her husband and children. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone. It's so good to be here. I want to thank each and every listener who's tuning in today, wherever you might find yourself. We're just very glad you decided to join us. And side note, if you didn't catch our last episode with a guest from a couple weeks back with Joanna Meyer that covered how to discover one's passion, be sure to check it out. All right, we will be getting to this week's letter in just a few moments. But first, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the podcast called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our biggest challenges or frustrations that week, and finishing off with a blessing or a positive and hopeful experience that we had. So Jessica, what was this week's thorn for you and what was this week's rose? Sure. Um, this week it got pretty cold earlier in the week. And, uh, when I work at home, my feet can get really cold and that sounds like a really funny thing to say of my thorn. But I think because when you're spending, you know, most of the day sitting down or standing, but at a computer and just your feet are just on the ground, like it's just really uncomfortable to have cold feet. Um, so yeah, we have a, a drafty door, front door. So I kind of had this like funny setup of things kind of propped up around like the side of the door and the bottom of the door to keep the draft out. Um, thankfully, since we have ordered something to help do a little bit of a better job to keep that draft out. But yeah, the cold has come. However, my rose actually kind of flips that around because living in Colorado, we have such an interesting changes of weather that that come throughout even the winter or the fall coming into winter. So I had just the loveliest walk outside in the wind yesterday. And um, I just love walking in the wind. There's something about that breeze and, and, and the force of, of the wind, especially when, you know, when it's a sunny day, it was cool. It was about 50 degrees and sunny and, but the wind just made it just the right kind of splendid kind of chili that you get in the fall. And so being out in nature like that um, just makes me feel invigorated and thoroughly alive. So the weather was a big theme for me this week, I guess. <laughs> that's that's a lovely, lovely rose. Rachel, what about your thorn and your rose? Mm, well, so my thorn this week was we had some parenting challenges. Um, and we kind of had to revisit some boundaries and reset some things, tighten a few things up. And so that was hard because those moments, uh, I, you know, you have to sit and maybe reflect on how you can, you as the parent contributed 
to whatever issue came up and kind of do some reflecting. So um, that was, that was tough, but we, we got through that. And um, my rose this week was yesterday. So it was on yesterday, Friday, we did school in the morning and we're learning about the Kings and Queens um, of Europe. And mm-hmm. we've read Chronicles of Narnia. We, we almost finished that book and it was just a wonderful read aloud time. And then in the afternoon, we had friends over. And I just love hosting people like at Christmas because you can turn on the Christmas music and light the tree and, you know, tidy everything up and make snacks. And it was just really wonderful to have the house full of people and kids and to get to host friends. So that really, that really gave everybody uh, a little bit of filling up. Oh, that sounds like a lovely rose. Also, that's so fun that when you're home educating your children, as as you do, um, you kind of, you probably learn things yourself that you're like, oh, I never learned this in school. I'm, if you're learning about, you know, the the kings and queens of of Europe, I, I am realizing there's probably a lot that I don't know <laughs> that you get to discover when you're schooling your children. That's amazing. Um, my thorn this week came in the form of international travel. So I love traveling. I love exploring new cities and countries and going on adventures and having food that I don't get to normally have. And I recognize how lucky I am to have the ability to travel. I'm always energized by something new. However, I do not love the literal act of travel, (laughs) of making sure that everything's packed. And, you know, I always end up forgetting something. This week, it was my entire um, travel bag of makeup. So (laughs) that's an awful thing to forget. Um, Makes you be a minimalist, huh? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And and I always remember when I'm like in the security line at at the airport and I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Um, And I really dislike getting to the airport, figuring out where we're going. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Keeping track of important things like passports, phones, wallets, chargers. And also side note, I feel like every time I get on a plane, the seat has just become smaller than it was last time. So that's also not yeah. a fun thing. <laughs> um, and that's all just before the actual, like being in the air and I'm not good with turbulence and, you know, just the tiniest bump for me is just like, okay, I'm praying like I'm at the hour of my death, just <laughs> ready. Um, but as for my rose, it was actually made possible by my thorn this week. It was made possible by my trip across the Atlantic. And I had the opportunity to see my little nephew and nieces, one of which is actually my um, goddaughter that I met for the first time. And they range in age from nearly five to a year and a half. So they're at a very, very cute age right now. And I hardly ever get to see them in person because they live in England. So it was just really special to spend a few days with them and playing and laughing and watching movies and loving on them. And they're truly just the sweetest little kids. And they also made me feel like a really cool aunt. (laughs) So this week's Rose was a, a very lovely one for me. All right. A couple of things before we move on to our letter for this week. If you have been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It really helps boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it. And also, we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would love the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing today. Okay, 
Let's move on to our letter for today, which Rachel is the perfect person to speak into this. It covers a subject of wanting to home educate your children, but being nervous about doing it right. Dear Wallflower, I am a stay-at-home mom of two children, a four-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter, and I'm having a hard time deciding what to do for my son's education. He's approaching kindergarten, and we need to make a decision soon about what his schooling will look like. For the past two years, I've been attached to the idea of homeschooling. I like the flexibility and the thought of being able to spend so much quality time with my son. I hear from so many older moms that the years go by fast, and I don't want to miss out on that precious time. Also, most other families in our church did homeschooling, and I was encouraged by seeing how well it worked for them. The problem is, just uh, we just moved a few months ago to a new area that has a great private Christian school, and I can't help but feeling like this might be a good opportunity for my son. He's shy and anxious around other kids his age since he's used to being at home with me and his baby sister. I've tried to set up play dates and activities where he can interact with other kids, but we don't seem to be making much progress. I think he could really benefit from attending school in the mornings to develop social skills, but I'm having a hard time giving up my plans of homeschooling. I recently took a tour of one of the potential schools, and the whole time I felt sad about the thought of dropping him off there every day. My husband and I have discussed this decision, and he is supportive of either choice, but he seems to be leaning in the direction of sending our son to school. He's concerned that I might be overwhelmed with homeschooling and all the other responsibilities I have as a wife and mother, especially because we're hoping to have a third child soon. I know that in order to take care of a newborn and also homeschool, I will sometimes have to make sacrifices with hobbies and other things I want to do. I think I've accepted that, but I fear I might become resentful in the future when it gets hard. Overall, I'm worried that I will make the wrong decision or that my decision will negatively impact my son. How do I make a good decision and move forward in confidence? Sincerely, stressed about schooling. This is an interesting letter because we received one that was very similar where the child was an extrovert. So it seems like every mom will be worried about homeschooling their child for a myriad of reasons, even opposite ones. So Rachel, what are your thoughts for stressed about schooling? Wow, this is a great letter. And um, these are really common misgivings. Um, There's kind of two questions in here. So I'll answer it in two parts. Um, your first, the first question is about, well, it's just the big socialization question. It's really the most common thing that parents ask about when they want to start homeschooling. And, you know, it sounds like your son's temperament is introverted and reserved. Um, and to be honest, I have a I have a case study in my own home. I have a very classic extrovert, my oldest daughter. She needs a high level of people interaction. And I've got my second born who is an introvert. And I have found that changing the environment or trying to put them in situations where they will change that about themselves doesn't actually really work. But what really works is to affirm them in who they are, especially the introverted ones, affirm them in who they are and understand that when they come into an environment, 
what they're first going to do is they're going to observe. And they might do that a number of times in the same place before they feel safe to jump in on their terms. And so um, putting them in a conventional classroom could be, you know, a solution, but it's not necessarily anything that's going to change what their temperament is. And the one thing I love about homeschooling is with my introverted daughter is I can give those big group social interactions to her in doses that she feels safe to be able to handle. And I can coach her through that. And um, it turns out she is very well adjusted now and has lots of friends and enjoys social interactions, but she will stand back and observe. And that's kind of one of her favorite ways to be in a group as is mine. I consider myself a certified wallflower. Okay. (laughs) So, um, and you know, a lot of parents are really worried about giving their children appropriate interpersonal skills. That's one of the biggest issues. And the research shows that children get interpersonal skills. So like conflict management, um, appropriate behavior in like a variety of situations, manners, they get that passed to them directly from their primary caregiver. So that's why you can go to school or you remember being in school or a classroom and you have that really well-adjusted, you know, child that knows how to behave. And then you have the other one that maybe is very awkward or doesn't know how. And that's because the primary uh, variable there is the parenting and the caregiving and those skills being passed on that way. Um, The other thing that a lot of parents worry about is making sure that their child has access to wider community because most of childhood in our culture is kind of consumed by that conventional classroom experience where they're with like a group of same age peers all day. And so we're thinking, oh no, if we take them out of that, they're not going to have anything anymore. And what are we going to do? Because it's hard to imagine beyond what we know. And I would say that when you take your child or you decide not to enroll them in conventional school, you can give them that same access to wider community, but it's going to be broader and more varied. And you can handpick those interactions a little bit. So in the same way that you would pick like curriculum and resources, you're going to be picking community engagement and how your child interacts with the community. So like at our house, we homeschool all of our kids. I have four. My my youngest is not quite into school yet, um, but we do a variety of things through the week. So we go to co-op once a week. So they get to be in a classroom and bring their lunch and have a backpack. I take them everywhere with me. They are with me and errands and grocery shopping. We go to coffee shops. We go out to eat. We have friends to our home. We go to our friend's house. We go to the library. And so they get this the same kind of interaction, but a little bit more varied. People of different ages, different backgrounds, and different settings. And I just find that that's really been beneficial to my kids. And um, it's been a really rich experience. So if you're feeling a pull to keep your child at home, but you're and you just don't really feel like you want to drop him off all day, you can provide those same things. And um, you can guide the that introvert into those interactions really well in a in a homeschool environment. And so there's a I don't know if you any of you ladies have comments on that, but I will go to the second question in a minute, or I can do that right now. 
Well, I, I have a quick question. Were you homeschooled as a child? I had a little bit of both. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was you, what made you decide to homeschool your children? I'm, I'm curious. Was it just that you had a wonderful experience yourself? Um, I actually didn't want to homeschool. My husband <laughs> was the one that wanted to do it. And, um, at the end of the day, it's, it was a really similar situation to this where I had my little sweet five-year-old. I had a baby and or another toddler and I was, uh, and I had a baby and I just didn't feel right about dropping her off for the day for the best hours of our days. And I mm-hmm. loved our routines and I was really didn't want to, I didn't want that to end. And we've been able to maintain that. And it's been really wonderful. Hmm. That's amazing. I still think it's interesting that you found yourself in a similar situation as our question asker here that you had, you know, one of your children entering school age, a toddler, and then an infant to care for. And you're living proof that it's possible. Absolutely. <laughs> not, that, not, that, not that it's necessarily <laughs> the right situation for everybody, but that it's possible. Yes. For the second, you wanted me to answer the second part of the question? Yeah. In let's the letter? In. Okay. So the second um, part is really a question about logistics. Um, and there's, that's really common too, because when you kind of, you don't think, oh, you're going to be with your kids all day. And we have like, a lot of us have a vision of school taking all day long and being like sitting at a desk facing a chalkboard. And I thought that too, I thought, oh my goodness, well now homeschool is just going to displace everything about our regular lives and it's going to take over everything. And I might, I thought I might feel resentful about this, but there's a few just really practical things to know that set a lot of people at ease with this. When you have young children, multiple young children at home, the first thing to realize is that a lot of people feel the pressure to start the formal academic portion of school for their kids very early because we've been told that three, four, and five is when kids have to start learning school, learning school type, you know, activities, or they're going to be behind. But the research actually shows that starting earlier isn't necessarily beneficial and that it's actually better to wait till they're six, seven, and even eight because they're developmentally ready at that point. Um, And that a lot of times when you start too young, they can get really burnt out on school. So um, there's lots of interesting uh, research about this, but they've compared, you know, two groups of kids and found that the ones that started later did just as well. And it was actually easier um, because they were ready. So I would encourage you to go ahead and wait until your child is six or seven before you feel like you have to pull out the math and phonics and history um, and all of that. And in the meantime, to really work on your home routines, because that's going to be the foundation of your homeschool. Those caregiving routines you do with your kids, like the meal making, the naps, the walks, playing outside, those are always going to be there. And those, when you get those routines down, they're a wonderful foundation for then adding the academic portion on later on, because nobody's going to do a good job at math or paying attention to what you're reading if they don't have food or they didn't eat well or they didn't sleep right. Um, And the other aspect of this that's really important to understand is that the academic part of learning takes a fraction of the time that it does 
in a conventional classroom because you just skip all of the inefficiencies and you go straight into the work of it and you become your child's one-on-one tutor. And so what a lot of people think will take four or five or six hours actually takes like maybe two at this age. Um, And it doesn't necessarily, you might think that it would buy you more time to like drop them off for the day, but when you calculate in like pick up and drop off in homework and like school activities, it kind of actually evens out. So um, there isn't actually, it's not actually as difficult as a lot of people will imagine it to be on the logistics side of it. That's really helpful to put into perspective. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine that's really encouraging to all the mothers that are going, okay, I want to homeschool, but I don't know if I have it in me. Because I think that that's probably what keeps a lot of people away from trying it is it sounds like, first of all, it's a a pretty big time commitment. And then I, I don't know if I'm capable of this. I don't know if I'm capable of being the mom that's just always there and, and can teach her children these things. So I imagine that's really encouraging to our writer and the other, you know, hopefully homeschooling moms out there. <laughs> I mean, you do make sacrifices of convenience, but I found that those sacrifices are far eclipsed by the benefits of doing it, the flexibility and, you know, a bit, be as a mother, even having the flexibility to pursue your own um, hobbies and things. I'm still able to do that. And a lot of it, my kids can join me in and I can even model it for them. And so I thought maybe I would be resentful when things got hard. And actually I have enjoyed this lifestyle so much because it really is a lifestyle and it's just really enriched our family life. Mm, That's really beautiful. Jessica, do you have any thoughts? I I know that you haven't homeschooled a child before, but (laughs) (laughs) do you have any thoughts? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I do. I would love to share some thoughts. So yes, I will preface my advice by saying that I am not a mother and thus have not needed to make this decision for myself. So take my input with a large grain of salt. Also for context, I was public schooled from kindergarten all the way through high school. Um, In all modesty though, I I think I turned out all right. (laughs) I I know, I know times have changed a lot and that public schooling wasn't even mentioned as an option here, but, um, all this to say up front that God works in and through our choices, however vast or limited that they might, or our our opportunities might be and uh, whatever we finally decide to commit to God works through those things. So, um, while I completely understand the desire to make the quote right decision or to avoid the quote wrong decision, I want to encourage you not to place undue emphasis on that. There are multiple faithful options for schooling, so don't let your choice be motivated by fear of making a mistake. Rather, as it sounds like you're already doing, I would say take into consideration the unique circumstances of your family as a whole. Um like Rachel was saying in terms of, you know, addressing your son's social needs, like his particular needs, and then your capacity um, as, as a mother and, and so forth to discern what is good, uh, what would be a good and faithful choice for you in this particular life season. And that notion of season is important here too. The choice that you make for kindergarten does not have to be the choice that remains for his time through school graduation, you know, all the way through high school. 
you have the freedom to assess and adjust as needed or as possible. While making a decision for how to get him started off in school is certainly deeply significant, it is not something that you're going, you're necessarily committing to for life. It's for maybe a year. Um, and maybe you'll find that your first choice is a good one for a number of his early formative years. And I'll let you in on a little secret here. You're allowed to change your mind. <laughs> and even Rachel admitted that she was partially homeschooled, but not all the time. So, you know, we, I think we all know numerous people who have been in more than one schooling situation. And sometimes those changes are necessary throughout the, the years. So as you watch your son grow and develop, and especially as he matures and develops his abilities to express his own needs, you may have the opportunity to adjust your schooling approach if you ever find a different fit would be better. To um, Actually, I'll, I'll just skip over to, um, I just wanted to, to mention that I think it's terrific that your husband's supportive of either approach. I think it's great that you guys can work through this decision together and that he's not particularly um, I don't know, for forcing one way or another. Um, obviously, this is something that you'll decide on together. And if you haven't done so yet, I would encourage you each to sit down together and um, to discuss the options by seeking to get to the core motivations behind each option that you're considering and why you feel or think um, what you do about each one. So I would I would encourage you to think, what are your hopes and desires? And what are your fears? And again, don't let fear be the ultimate driver, but do pay attention to what rises up when you ask those questions. Um, please know that whatever you end up choosing, some of it will be wonderful and some of it will be difficult. Either choice is full of a variety of pros and cons. And while those do matter, I encourage you to avoid simply stripping your decision down to such matters. I want to point out that there is no perfect option. And it sounds like you're already embracing that, which is good. Hopefully sitting with the possibilities and praying through what is best um, to fit this particular season for your family as a whole will bring clarity and peace about where to begin this first year. And I have hope that God will honor and uh, your desire to do what is good and to guide you as you seek wisdom from him. Oh, wonderful advice. Even, even though we're, the two of us have never homeschooled a child ourselves. <laughs> um, I, I really, I do imagine it's incredibly difficult as a mother to feel like you have made the right decision. And there's probably always a question. There are always a lot of variables. And I think you are just bound to question if you're doing any of it right. But stressed about schooling mentioned in her letter that as she toured the school, she felt sad about leaving her son there. And I think it's a good idea to listen to that feeling. So again, while I've never homeschooled a child myself, and I can't speak to this the way that Rachel did, um, I was actually homeschooled all throughout high school. And I plan to homeschool my future children. Because the reality is that even with a really wonderful school, we will ultimately understand our children better. We will know their challenges and their personality and their desires because they're ours. And so we'll be able to meet their needs in a way that a teacher or a school shouldn't be expected to. This isn't to say that traditional schools are always bad, but I think if a parent already desires to homeschool their children, they should listen to that desire. Similarly to your son, I was really shy and anxious around my peers. 
So speaking from personal experience, putting a kid who struggles with anxiety around his peers won't be solved by placing him in a classroom with a bunch of other kids and one teacher whose attention is split many different ways. Even if they're a wonderful teacher, it can't be easy being the one adult in a room of 30 kids that aren't yours. And sometimes sending your kid to a school can just exacerbate the issue of anxiety and what with the alarmingly high rates of bullying in schools. And other times it just leaves the issue unaddressed. That was my case. It was just unaddressed for many, many years. And there are ways that you can have a role in helping him come out of his shell and be comfortable with people other than his immediate family. Rachel mentioned co-ops and church groups and small weekly classes are a great way to introduce him to other kids. And the wonderful thing about homeschooling is that you both have time for these things and you can tailor them to meet his needs and his desires. If he enjoys art, you can take a painting class with other kids his age. If he likes being outside, sign him up for a soccer team. It certainly takes effort on your end to ensure that your son is well socialized, but it seems a better option to have a role in helping him find friends that are good for him, as Rachel mentioned. And this also goes for extroverted children as well. To me, this just makes more sense than putting him in a traditional school and hoping for the best, whether or not your child easily makes friends. So again, as someone who hasn't walked this path myself, I can only imagine how difficult it can actually be to do it. But what I've personally witnessed and heard from homeschooling moms, I believe it to be ultimately beneficial if it's what you desire to do. It's challenging, but it doesn't have to completely overwhelm. This is what I have learned from my mother-in-law, Sally Clarkson, who is a well-known writer and um, author and blogger and podcaster that homeschooled her four children. And also my sister-in-law who has three children under five and is home educating them. And I think it's easy to put more pressure on ourselves to have a really strong structure and a tight curriculum that we're following. But if I've learned anything after marrying into a homeschooling family, it's that home education doesn't have to look like a single thing. Everyone's education is going to look different. And for my mother-in-law, it looked like gathering her kids around as she read them copious amounts of books on science, literature, or history while they colored and listened. Or if they need to get out of the house, it looks like taking a trip to the museum. Or it looked like listening to a book on tape while they all cooked a meal together. Of course, different children have different needs and require different lessons depending on their age or temperament. But what home education looked like for her was gathering all the children around and being intentional and present. So I hope some of this was able to um, shed some light on stressed about schooling's worries and anxieties around home education. And I want to thank Rachel also for her wonderful advice that encouraged me as well. <laughs> when yes, I one day plan to home educate my own children. So I will keep all of this in mind and I'll probably come back and listen to this episode. <laughs> those few years down the line. <laughs> um, all right. So it is time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest to you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us happy. 
Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of the episode for you to check out. So Rachel, what is your suggestion this week? Well, mine is in the home appliance department. Um, This fall, we got a little um, milk steamer that you plug in just to the, you know, in your kitchen that sits on the countertop. And we've been making all kinds of delicious drinks. And so uh, like I made my husband like an eggnog latte, like where I steamed the eggnog and then made coffee and poured it over the top. Um, I've been making myself like healthy little drinks with teas and things. And then um, I made my kids the other day, like a hot chocolate. And they were like, mom, this is like the hot chocolate you see in the movies. Like this is amazing (laughs) because the milk was all frothed and, you know, coming over the top. And so we have really enjoyed having that. And we've been going out for coffee less because, or, you know, coffee shop drinks less because we have this at home. We can make like healthy versions of things. And so um, I got it on Amazon. I think the brand is a Maestri or something like that. I'm probably mispronouncing it, Um, but I can send a link from Amazon so you can link it. Oh, lovely. Is it, is it like that? Um, like a little handheld thing with the frother thing at the end, or is it like a tube that you pour the milk into and then it froths it? It's like a little pitcher that sits on a little burner and it has a frother inside. So when you pour the milk in, it heats it and it froths it up and you could choose the froth level too in the temperature. (laughs) So it really makes you feel like a barista and you know, it's kind of special. So yeah. Oh, and that's definitely a money saver. Um, my mother-in-law has one of those that I use every single time I am at her house in Colorado and I absolutely love it. And again, yeah, you feel like a barista. (laughs) All right, Jessica, what is your suggestion this week? I would like to suggest A.A. Milne's classic book, Winnie the Pooh. Um, while so many of us are very likely familiar with Winnie the Pooh, I, I wonder how many have actually read the original stories. They are absolutely delightful. And I think when I've read through them, I have notably laughed aloud in every single chapter. And so, uh, they're not just for children. I think adults can enjoy the stories so much as well. Obviously, if you have children, read them to your children. It's so much fun, but I, I would even just read it aloud to my husband and I before bed and just puts us in a, I don't know, a lovely kind of lighthearted, um, mood and appreciating, the silly, cute things of life and, and friendship and just a little smackerel of something, you know, just <laughs> as families that enjoy our, our food and drink. Um, Winnie the Pooh is just a lovely, a lovely companion in, in book form. Mm. I feel like I remember us having a conversation about how everyone like fits a Winnie the Pooh character <laughs> yeah. or something like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I definitely identify with your maybe a little bit of piglet, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm not, um, healthy. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. This week I am suggesting the audiobook version of Anne of Green Gables. Probably most of us listening to this podcast have read the book before, but if you haven't, you were in for a treat, but The audiobook performed by Rachel McAdams is a really, really special one that I think is worth listening to, even if you've read the book already. Her performance is so engaging and she captures Anne's spirit so well. 
And I think it's perfect to listen to with your children, especially around this time of year when everyone is staying inside. And I just imagine sitting by the fire with mugs of hot chocolate that are that have been frothed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and coloring pages everywhere and this audiobook playing for the family to listen to while we all just relax together. So even if you think you've already read Anne, give this audiobook a try. All right, to wrap up this episode, before we go, Rachel, how can listeners get in contact with you and check out what you are up to? The best place to get in contact with me is through Instagram. Um, it's just rachel.alsbury and um, also at my blog, it's rachelalsbury.com. And that's where I write a lot about um, homeschooling and some of the practical things that I talked about here today. Lovely. And I think you also have a newsletter. I signed up for it recently. I love getting it. How could I forget the newsletter? That's my favorite place to write in the world. And we talk about, oh, I, I give little candid peaks of our life in the newsletter, um, as well as what I read every month. So Mm. yes, you need to sign up for the newsletter. Yeah. I have those book recommendations. Yes. Yes. Everyone needs to go sign up. All right, Jessica, how can listeners find and connect with you? Listeners can find me on my food and lifestyle blog, thisrealjourney.com and on Instagram at Jessica J. Schroeder. And if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal, where we have new articles coming out every week about relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you'd like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter we read will be kept totally anonymous. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.